Welcome back to Mastering Meatail, a podcast masterclass covering everything you need to know about e-commerce brought to you by Flywheel Digital. My name is Emma Irwin, and I'm a senior editor and specialist at Flywheel. Today, we are talking about measuring incrementality. We've talked about incrementality many times on this podcast and about how it's not a real word. And we've also talked about measuring things, but we haven't totally covered actually measuring incrementality. And let me tell you, we're asked to do this a lot. My guest today is an absolute expert in this regard, so let's get to know him. My name is Henry Reith. I'm a senior manager and tech advisor at Flywheel Digital. Um, I span across product tech, data science, and, and work with the leadership to support insights and analytics. Before we continue into our recurring questions, let me give you the lay of the land for this episode. Henry probably wouldn't consider our conversation to be super technical, but it was pretty technical in my opinion, and knowing what you've signed up for is probably useful. We're first going to revisit incrementality and what it means, and then we're going to bring it from a concept to an actual measurement, and we're going to look at factors such as differences across categories and those categories that are clicky or scrolly, more on that later, and how things differ across search and display, and I'm not done yet, how we think about new to brand as a metric in all of this. Phew. Okay. Our recurring questions. Curveball for you. What is the last thing you purchased on Amazon? Oof. So earlier this week, I was thinking about this because I knew that you asked this in, in all these podcasts. Um, actually, Kirit Sharma uh, started a couple weeks ago um, as our EVP of Insights. And the first birthday present that I got two weeks ago was a Raspberry Pi, which is a little compute device that he brought for me from uh, Colorado after meeting me like the week before that. And so the, the last thing I bought on Amazon was a bunch of little, he gave me like a little camera device. So it was a lens for that. I think that was it. So Raspberry Pi, not as in an actual Pi. Yeah, not as in an actual Pi, which is a little bit confusing, but it allows you like if you want to create like a little robot, that's kind of what you'll do. It's like the computer that'll power things. And I was out here like, you got a Raspberry Pi delivered from Amazon? <laughs> like, Okay. Next question, which you're probably familiar with, but I'll ask it now. We'll come back to it at the end. But something on a digital wish list of yours. So it is in a cart that you just never actually purchase. And we'll come back to why, if that sounds good, at the end. Mm. And with that, let's dive in. Measuring incrementality. And I'm excited for this just because like, Incrementality is a theme that has come up so much in this podcast and then also how it's not actually a word. But like it's something that every client that I've ever or every account that I've ever worked on, it's something that they're interested in, right? And everyone wants to kind of drive incremental sales. But technically, like, how do you actually measure that? What what is that? So my first question for you is to kind of go over again as any kind of reminder of what we mean by incrementality. Yeah. So the way that we like like to define it at Flywheel and like I'll go around and kind of it was actually a couple of years ago, I went like through the office and I asked as many people as I can, okay, like how would you define incremental sales? Like what is what is this word incrementality? Because if you look it up, like as you said, it's not actually a word. And the kind of consensus is that it's a sale that wouldn't have happened if I didn't advertise. And to say that another way, if my ad wasn't there, the consumer wouldn't have bought my product. They would have gotten some something else, one of my competitors. And so measuring that and identifying the the areas within search and within DSP where you can where you can actually identify those, you know, you can try and get back to consumer intent and what they're 
what they're searching for, if they're familiar with your brand, all of these different metrics that would lead you to, to be able to make a conclusion that this person probably would not have bought my product if that ad wasn't there. And then you can get back to more of a true ROI and that's the whole objective and that's the whole uh, idea. You definitely want to caveat that like it's very dependent upon how you define it and what you're looking the way that you're going to actually calculate it and you know it's it's there's no one solution across the board it's going to vary depending upon your brand and how big you are and what categories you're in and how saturated is the the market and like what's auction density everything you you want to consider it's going to change the way that you look at incremental sales so we can dive in a little bit to like generally how we think about it but but again like i don't want to push off the, the idea that the incrementality is one thing like it's it's going to change depending upon your brand so not only is incrementality not a real word it's not even a one-size-fits-all concept or equation <laughs> when we look to calculate incrementality i'll try and break it down a little bit and not nerd out too much uh with with, with diving into the actual models and everything there and just try and make it a little more, make it easier to understand. But we'll really we'll try and break it down um, at the ASIN and keyword level. Within Amazon specifically, the way that we'll kind of look at this is we'll look at these click decay curves within search. And so basically what that means, if you look at Amazon search terms report, um, you'll get clicking conversion share metrics for all keywords, all products. And so essentially what you know from that data is how many clicks are going to uh, the top three products on any given search term within Amazon. From that, you can essentially model out the rest of the page. You can look at glance views by product and kind of estimate, okay, if I'm you know ranked number one, number two, number three, I'm going to get 30, 25, and 20% of all the clicks of any consumer shopping um, and searching for that keyword. Um, and then you can model out the rest of the page. So what that does, instead of looking at organic rank or just treating position number one as the same as position number 20, you can essentially assign a weight based off of the traffic and the number of people that you would assume would see your product organically. And so this kind of gets back to that idea of like clicky versus scrolly, basically measuring um, if people are going to search a keyword and just click at the top or if they're going to scroll down the page and do a lot more research. You can look at category uh, metrics and like kind of understand like search refinement rates and all these different data points that can can indicate this. But it, it's really that idea of, of of like viewability to your product within organic search is the, the way to look at it. And so from a from a modeling standpoint, what we'll do is for every single search term, we'll generate a unique model and then we'll look across a portfolio and say, OK, if I'm spending Say, you know, my catalog's really small. I have 10 ASINs and I advertise on 10 keywords. So we'll create a unique curve for each of those models representing where people are clicking and where they're scrolling. And then if your product wasn't viewable within search at all, all of your ads would then be incremental. If if you were ranked number one on all of those products and you're just mirroring within search, and so like you had organic rank number one and then you showed up in sponsored products ranked number one, then you're not incremental because the consumers would have just seen your product anyways. And so there's a lot of nuances here. Like if you're on branded terms and you want to conquest, then that's like a consideration where we, where we would want to make because like a consumer could come in and steal your sale and then like you're being decremental or like you're being anti-incremental and which is like another fake word. But 
you don't want to it's kind of getting back to that point earlier of like you don't want to define a specific way to look at it because there's a lot that you would want to consider so henry mentioned a concept in here that our flywheel data team looks at a lot which we call clicky versus scrolly categories i was just pulling up we have this i have the i have some data here so i wanted actually a metric to to be able to say but yeah so when we look at where is it Yeah. Okay. So when we look at clicky versus scrolly, the whole idea is, I kind of mentioned this before, but the, the whole idea is like, if I search for a keyword, am I going to buy the thing at the top or am I going to scroll to the bottom of the page? And like the crowning example that I always like to use with this one is like AirPods. If I search for AirPods, like I'm going to buy AirPods. If I search for sneakers, I'm probably going to find the shoe size, like the color, the brand that I like. And that might be on page three and it might be on page four. And then I'll probably search like men's shoes and then refine to like men's running shoes and then men's running shoes size 11. And so generally when we look at clicky categories, like the biggest ones, if I, if I look across every single keyword, HPC is number one, arts, crafts, and sewing is number two beauty, fresh, and baby following after that. The the highest scrolly categories are soft lines, home and garden, toys, computers, and automotive. Kind of like the specific things that you want. Like if I'm automotive is another example. If I'm buying tires, like I'm gonna find I need to find a tire that fits my car. And so like not, you know, how many however many cars there are out there, like there can't be just one tire that fits every single car and then I'll want a nice whatever type of tread and everything. Same with computers where people, I mean, like within the computer category, a lot of keywords in there will actually be like computer mice and like keyboards and that type of stuff. Not like just like a Mac. Like if I search MacBook Pro, that's probably highly clicky back to the AirPods thing. But for keyboards, like a lot of people want custom keyboards and then there's a ton of competitors out there, a ton of three P's. So like it'll, the density there is a little higher, which also is a, is a function of it being scrolly. And so that's like, that's kind of the way to think about it within HPC. Hey, it's me. If you heard HPC and thought of some kind of bank like I did, it's actually health and personal care. Back to Henry. The top ranked ASIN on average for every single keyword in that category will take up about 20% 20 of all the clicks. The second one will be about 18 and a half. The third will be about 17. And so that's like a majority of all clicks and and generally when we'll talk about it, it's like 64% of the clicks go to the top three products across every keyword on Amazon. And that's also very similar on Walmart. Walmart is is heavily weighted to the grocery category within search, but within a category like soft lines, uh, like six and a half, seven percent of the clicks are going to the top basin, and then five are going to the second, four-ish are going to the third. And so then that's only like 15, 20% all clicks going to the top. And so then that's 80% of the clicks going to everything else. And so then like it, it's really just a way to have a weight when we're looking at, the, uh, at each rank. Like it's, it's uh, this type of thinking and this type of logic is, is allowing us to say this rank is more important than that one. And here's the factor, like here's the actual multiplier to say, okay, if I'm ranked to number one versus 20, I'm going to get. 15x the amount of clicks if I'm ranked 
And so when I'm investing in search and I'm investing in, in these different ad types, if I'm driving that rank up organically, then I can show, okay, you know, just by being here, then I'm getting this amount more clicks and, you know, apply your conversion rate. You can calculate sales. Oh boy. Okay. I need some coffee. Not because I'm bored, because I need my brain to be in high gear for you all. Before we go back to the concept of incrementality, let me tie clicky versus scrolly to incrementality in my own words. Whether your product is in a clicky or scrolly category is going to impact how incrementality, a sale that wouldn't have happened without seeing an ad, is measured for that product or your brand because in a clicky category, there's a greater chance that you're gonna see seemingly more incremental sales per se because shoppers are more likely to click on your ad as they don't scroll and scroll and scroll down the page looking for a product. They see what they're looking for, they click, and that's probably on a sponsored product. So this weighting must be taken into account when you look at incrementality holistically. Let's get back to basics now. Is every sale that can be traced back to seeing an ad considered incremental like across the board? And I'm asking because I'm thinking of like repeat purchases, like does that count as well? Or maybe an ad that I saw like two years ago. I don't, I don't think attribution goes back that far to like be able to tie that all together. But how are those kind of considered in when you're measuring incrementality? Yeah. So by default, we'll look at it with Amazon's attribution windows, which is last touch 14 day. We know that that's not flawed and that's not how everyone wants to look at the world. Depending upon your path to purchase and everything we can say with, see within AMC, you know that like an ad might not, you know, if, if they just happened to click on the ad because it was there, but really they saw some DSP offsite and then they came on site and were shopping around a lot, maybe clicked on three sponsored products before they bought, then you can trace back that path to the initial, to the initial purchase. And then, you know, like, okay, it's not really, it wasn't really that last touch that drove the conversion. It was the series of, of ads that they saw along the way. And then you create an attribution model that would give you, okay, percentage of the, of my revenue went to each of those touches along like each touch point along the path. And so <clears throat> essentially like, that's the, like, that's the, that's the attribution problem. And we have different models where you can, you can apply a, Mar a Markov chain or you could do, you know, kind of any, any type of modeling technique to, to look across that path and say, okay, this is how I'm going to divvy up the conversions across all the ads that this one consumer saw. And then after that, it's okay. It's that idea of view viewability of, you know, like, were they going to, were they going to purchase anyways? And what effect did that, did the ad have based off of my organic presence compared to sponsor? Before AMC, how were you measuring any of, because it seems like to, in order to kind of get all those touch points and see that whole journey, like that didn't really exist before AMC. Yeah. So we were just um, dependent upon, you know, Amazon's attribution window. So whatever they would tell, you know, they would give us the 14 day last touch or we could, you get one day, seven, um, 14 and 30. And so within specific to Amazon, obviously, like, but so we would just, just rely on that. And so we would um, look within search those, you like use those click decay curves and, and essentially say, okay, if, you know, what's the likelihood that a consumer would have saw my product organically? Um, that like, that's the, that's the the main point, and then we're dependent upon again on at Amazon's attribution windows to 
to be sure that 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 ad actually that conversion should have been attributed to the ad. Um, so I think it's like the a good way to kind of classify it would be like the attribution problem and, and solving. Okay, should we be should we look at first touch? Should we look at last touch? And that like that problem by the way is like also not solved. And it's again a, f- a function of of this this idea that every brand is different and categories are different. So you want to look at you want to consider different things when you're calculating this. But but yeah, it's that solving the attribution so we can say this ad drove the sale and then was that sale incremental meaning would the consumer have purchased my organic or did they just click the sponsor because it was a little higher up on the page so now you've followed my brain's process in understanding incrementality on a deeper level but i think we most often think about sponsored products being those ads that we're talking about when we say a sale wouldn't have happened without seeing an ad but we know there's all kinds of ad types that align with different parts of the consumer journey. So how do we think about the impact of these on incrementality measurement? I think when we look at search versus display, the thinking that we've kind of taken around display incrementality so far is like kind of audience-based and looking, okay, so like if I'm going to target this type of demographic, you can do essentially these control holdout tests where you create two audiences and you can show them one type of ad and a different type of ad and see what they're more, you know, where conversion rates and and purchase rates and everything are higher. And that allows you essentially to kind of optimize your your audience a little bit. And like Patrick and all these different people talk about this this idea of like whale hunting. And so like within It's a sad name for something. <laughs> it is actually. I never thought about it like that. But someone who is like uh, highly like likely to order your product through SNS is considered like a whale. Like their, you know, their their LTV is you know twenty x a consumer who's going to buy once because they're going to continually purchase a product every month without even having to think about it. And so that, from a display standpoint, can be more incremental because I'm driving those those capturing that SNS user, and so then all of those purchases through the remaining uh, remainder of the year would then become you know that's like that's getting back to like LTV but but you can kind of you can look at display from from that lens where you're looking at the user who has the highest value and then drive uh, you know drive the targeting to identify those those people and so that they're then capturing like you're capturing that audience versus versus your competitor would be you're gonna have to follow follow my line of thinking on this one so an SNS person, okay, they see a display ad and some somewhere along the way that gets them to subscribe and then it automatically just purchases the product, gets purchased every single month. But like, is that a one-time incremental sale? Because afterwards, like they're not even seeing an ad, they're just Amazon's automatically ordering something for them over time and they continue making purchases. But do each of those count as an incremental sale? Or no, like it's from that first purchase and that was the biggest kind of win, whale hunting, because you got that person to subscribe. Did that make sense? Yeah, I think it's kind of, it's a function of how you want to look at at the world. This idea of calculating incremental sales is, I kind of mentioned it in the beginning of like, okay, we just, our main objective is to have a metric to show what our return on investment is for Amazon, for Walmart or Instacart, wherever we're buying media, like we just want to show, is it working? Yes or no. That's like end state, that's end goal, that's all that matters. So 
depending upon how you want to calculate it and how you want to look at it, like how you, if you want to define it as LTV or if you want to define it as an incremental sale or like a true ROI metric, we just want to know like, okay, is this thing working and are we efficient and optimized with our strategy is, is, is kind of the, the overarching theme. So given that, like for the, for this specific use case, the way that we display it and the way that we'll talk to customers about it is more so from the LTV standpoint, um, within, within display, but, and then like, and then we'll talk about incrementality from a, from an audience standpoint. It was like, okay, do we capture incremental audiences? And then we'll assign the dollar value to like LTV. So like if I were to capture 20 people who purchased SNS versus 20 people who purchased once, then I can measure the lifetime value of, of each group and say, okay, I, I drove X amount of sales with this ad in this one scenario where I got all the SNS people and X amount in this, this other scenario. So it's a little bit different. And, uh, from that standpoint, but like kind of doesn't matter. Like we're, we're just trying to, you know, drive the sales that, that wouldn't have happened and we're trying to measure it accurately and be precise. So far, we've covered incrementality measurement in general, clicky versus scrolly, search versus display. And we have one more area of focus for this episode, which is new to brand. Henry told me that new to brand was worth talking about here. So of course we're going to talk about it. New to brand is as simple as a measurement of customers who are new to your brand purchasing for the first time. Except it's not actually that simple. Because timeframes can vary on what's considered new, of course. Why wouldn't they? Let's cut back to another stream of thought I had. Let's talk about new to brand. And I feel like new to brand is something that like for my first year at working at Flywheel, like I didn't really hear that much about. Maybe I just didn't pay that much attention, but I think I did. But then it like kind of came in full force. And now it's something that like we talk about with everyone. And so new to brand in my head, like that's awesome. Those are people that are coming into the brand that weren't previously purchasing. But how do you tie that into incrementality? And what are you looking at there? Yeah, that's an interesting, definitely a very new-ish metric. I don't think that it's... So it wasn't that I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I think I'm, I am I was on the same boat as you where like it feels it feels very new. I think like there was, I don't know if it was Russ or um, Russ Derringer from Stradably or someone else, but there, I, like, there's this headline of like new to brand is the new ROAS. So it feels, you know, just literally based off of that headline, I feel it d- does feel very new. So before, like, before we talk about it in, in terms with, uh, or like from an incremental standpoint, the way that I like, it's, it's kind of important to look at how new to brand is defined. And so within Amazon, there's a 365 day look back new to brand within sponsored products. You can only get through AMC. If you're looking at new to brand for sponsored brands or sponsored brand video, you can get it through the API. So it'll come in the normal, uh, reports that you'll pull through the AMS API. And again, they'll consider that 365 day look back. So if I buy a product today, within the last year, I had bought the same brand, product of the same brand, new to brand, and then I would not be new to brand because I had, yep. <laughs> yeah, within the last year I had bought the product. Instacart defines it with the last uh, 26 weeks. And then Walmart is the last 12 months or you know last 365 days, similar to Amazon. We've looked, we've done some analysis and with AMC is like what you can, the value that another piece of the value that AMC drives is you can be 
you can customize the way that you look at things. Like AMC is not going to just give you the last 12 month new to brand metric. There will be a flag assigned to a purchase on if that user that purchased the product was new to brand. And so I can calculate new to brand if I, you know, within the last week, within the last two weeks, within the last three weeks. And, and so actually we, we did some analysis. We looked at like the last six, uh, six months for Amazon and we compared that to the last 12 months. And there's like about a 10%, um, 10% variance there. And so what that means is like, okay, if I, if 50% of my consumers were new to brand within the last six months, then 60% of them would have been new to brand within the last year. So you can make kind of like a distribution of, of time of when people like to, you know, repeat on your brand. Like, cause if you're, if you sell headphones, then people probably aren't buying headphones every month. But if you sell toothpaste, you know, every, whenever your toothpaste runs out, you're going to buy more toothpaste. So it's again, another one of those metrics that is like very custom to the type of product and the category and the brand. And so that's the foundation of how we would want to look at it within incrementality. And like the whole the whole thinking there is like, okay, if you can, it's more incremental for me if I'm capturing someone who is new to brand than if I'm capturing uh, repeat purchases because there is a higher likelihood that if someone had purchased my product before, they're going to come back assuming that they liked it and that it's a good high quality product. And so if we look at incrementality scoring or if we're making a DSP audience um, similar to the SNS thing, we can target people who are new to brand. And then, you know, we're, we're driving more incremental sales because they'll have the, the likelihood that they will buy the product, like it, and then continue to come back. You're then driving higher lifetime value. So that, that can be seen as like more incremental. And boom. We've covered our four key topics of incrementality versus measuring incrementality, clicky versus scrolly, search versus display, and new to brand. Lastly, let's hear Henry's key takeaways when it comes to measuring incrementality. Biggest takeaways I think like are, it's very custom when you when you wanna look and, and actually measure it. There's there's no one size fits all. And so there's, there's general best practices that you can apply and that you can look at, like you can, Look at these category metrics of, of clicky versus scrolly, and you can estimate the percentage of consumers that would have seen your product organically, and then use that to calculate incremental sales. You can look at LTV, you can look at path to purchase. Like there's a ton of things to dive into, but if someone is going to come to you and be like, this is your incremental sales. And if you tell me something else, then you're wrong, then they're probably wrong. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway that I have here. Perfect. Okay then that means we're coming back to your digital wish list, something that you just won't purchase and why, but it sits in a cart forever. I'm not sure if it's in my Amazon cart. Doesn't matter. I always go through reverb and I also do this with Zillow of like houses in different parts of the world, but I'll just put these, like I'll flag these guitars that I like and they're always ridiculously expensive and I'll never end up buying them, but they're really like clean, classic old guitars. And then I'll like keep looking and then they'll be gone, you know, after like a couple of months and then I'll get sad. But I do the same thing with houses where I like find this like house somewhere that's like way out of reach. And then I'll just like, I'll check again and then the house will be gone and then I'll get sad. I'm like, why the hell do I do this? <laughs> I'm doing it to myself. I'm bringing myself pain. <laughs> and that fully wraps up this episode of Mastering Me Too. 
Thank you to Henry for joining us. And if this topic really interests you or your brand, make sure to reach out to learn more and share this episode with your colleagues. I'm Emma Irwin, and this episode was produced by Klaus Cancel with sound design by Ines Satenji. See you next time.